Candace and Ariel are not final girls. Candace is second to last at best. And Ariel is probably the killer. This podcast is intended for ghouls, haters, and Wikipedia summary readers. Listen on at your own risk. Welcome to our twisted mind. If it's not a good look, why do I wear it so well? Pardon me, I missed a your pretty face for someone else, but you just have to do because you see it's getting late. everybody we've been on a little break but we are back and we are a happy redneck family in the backwoods with a murder torture house yeah this is not your final girl i'm candace and i'm here with my co-host ariel hi and we are here with our tech support and emotional support passport lock hey pat hello at long last yes on the pod we're doing it so (laughs) pat um has brought to us his i guess like retrospective like a little sampling of the filmmaker rob zombie i'm sure you've heard of him potpourri (laughs) yes just a little a little uh flight of rob zombie Pat was on Rob Zombie's Instagram, I think. Yeah. Oh my God. Last year, so, right? Yeah. So famous. They're best, They're best friends now. Besties with yeah. Rob Zombie. Yeah. Yeah. You know, did what I needed to do to tag the hell out of everything when I got my House of a Thousand Corpses anniversary set. He uh, thought it was cool, I guess. So, you know, sporting my shirt and the whole deal. So, yeah, he hell could yeah. tell. So, and yeah, then you also saw him musically i, I yeah, think just a few days ago actually is actually our whole family was out there it was a uh, filter ministry alice cooper and rob zombie i guess we'll just get it out of the way right now yes i am a fanboy. <laughs> there we go so come clean was, yeah that was my my 20th time seeing him live <laughs> my god awesome. okay um, what was your like introduction to rob zombie like what got you well the thing that's weird is like I was, you know, kind of into it late. I mean, I wasn't, you know, when everybody else was going mm-hmm. on over Dragula and Living Dead Girl and stuff, I, I wasn't listening to that. I was still a hip-hop kid at that point. And, um, like, I guess my first first experience w- with them was the the White Zombie More Human Than Human video, and I liked that video, and I liked that song. And, you know, it was still the days of parental advisory stickers on cds so my mom went and bought it for me and i wasn't ready for it i wasn't into it it uh i was like dude i, I think they're like devil worshippers and stuff <laughs> and uh you know so now you know all these You're years like, later, they're really, like they're they're like devil worshippers negative <laughs> yeah <laughs> negative <laughs> derogatory yeah but uh but yeah so all these years later i'm you know it was sort of an early seed planted whether i knew it or not but really you to Satan is what you're yeah, saying. Exactly. 
the Christians really, are right. It was uh, the first time seeing them live once I kind of became, you know, sort of a a fanboy and into it all and whatnot. So, you know, now all these years later, I've seen them 20 times. My wife has been there with me 18 times and my <laughs> daughter just saw them for the first time. So, yes. What does she think? The new initiate. She was yeah, what do you think? She she was into it. She uh you know she you know was taking pictures of the the different you know set changes and displays and stuff and you know you could you could definitely tell that she was there and you know kind of paying attention to what was happening and what was going on and her first show was actually Iggy Pop just a couple of months before that and we were on the floor in the middle of all these people and she couldn't see anything and. You know, it wasn't necessarily the greatest experience, I guess. But yeah. so this time she was in the seats and could see it all. And, and uh, I mean, the stage is, you know, insane anyway. So, I mean, mm -hmm. from wherever you're going to be, you can definitely, you know, see what's happening. So, but yeah, she was, uh, she was definitely into it. I also, I love that Iggy Pop was her first. I saw him yeah. over the summer this year and it was like, right. this man loves to perform. He's yeah. so old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, in a way, both of them. I mean, uh, you know, because I mean, Zombie's not as old as as Iggy is, but you know, he's. Uh, I think he turned fifty six, fifty seven this year. I think it is. You know, the dude's not stopping. I mean, he's mm -hmm. still. Yeah. He uh, he hits the stage and it's like he shot out of a cannon, and he basically doesn't stop. You know, he's uh, from start to finish. It's uh, it's full on shows. He broke into filmmaking, not a t typical musician path, I feel like, but uh, 2003, which is also like a really funny time to make your way into horror cinema. And yeah, so I guess like, well, uh, I was thinking we could probably do this chronologically. Yeah. Even though I, I, I kind of want to talk about, I, I want to talk about Lords of Salem so bad. Me too, but I, it's like... But I feel like I, it makes more sense to do it after. That's like my, I mean, spoiler, but like, I like that one best. So like, I'm happy to save it for last. So <laughs> yeah, I, well, I want to know. So I watched this in reverse chronological order, actually not on purpose, but it's just because uh, I'd never seen Lords of Salem before. It was the only one of the three. We're doing uh, House of a Thousand Corpses, The Devil's Rejects, and Lords of Salem. And that was the only one that I hadn't seen. So I watched that one first. And then I watched The Devil's Rejects first because I somehow forgot that it was a direct sequel okay. to House of a Thousand Corpses. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> like at the beginning. So what order did you guys watch these in? Ooh, I did the, I did chronological. Okay. Yeah. Like a, like yeah. a plebeian. Yeah. Sensical. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sensical mm -hmm. order. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I did, it the, I did it the proper way, you know. Okay. So. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> As right God way. intended, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, then we'll do it. We'll do it the right way, and we'll go in <laughs> chronological order. So, Great. first up, House of a Thousand Corpses from two thousand three. Howdy, folks! You like blood, violence, freaks of nature? On a stormy Halloween night. Four young people set out across the back roads of America. What's that? It's a hitchhiker. What, should we stop? We can't leave right here in the rain. In search of a mysterious figure known only as... Dr. Satan. Do you know anything about the legend of Dr. Satan? Yeah, I can show you. Dr. Satan! Ah, Dr. Satan! What they uncovered... Yes! You ain't seen nothing! 
nothing yet. Is the most horrifying and shocking tale of carnage ever seen. Well, I bet you'd stick your head in the fire if I told you you could see hell. You seen this girl? Yeah, they want to play Nancy Drew with this local legend that people call Dr. Satan. Stupid kids probably got themselves lost. Let's get out of this nut house. The boogeyman is real. And you found him. And let me tell you right now, it is labeled as a horror comedy, um, just as like the Google result, which I think is really funny. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is a horror comedy. Like, there's definitely it's definitely quirky. I feel yeah. like the second one is funnier, like in more slapstick almost. But I yeah. don't know. I it, it, this has its elements for sure. This like is, this, this is like is a dark also, comedy. This one feels less gritty and upsetting to me than like the than the devil's rejects actually hmm okay i think okay. i think the devil's rejects feels like grimy whereas yeah. house of a thousand corpses just feel a little like it's, it's like slightly more whimsical you got the fish boy and with that said i mean you know not to jump into devil's rejects but he said devil's rejects was more the movie he intended to make with house of a thousand corpses that's yeah. interesting. You know, House of a Thousand Corpses, he said that it turned a little more cartoony than he intended. And, uh, you know, some of that was just because of how long it took to get it made and, mm-hmm. you know, jumping from uh, uh, company to company as far as who was releasing the movie and stuff. But but with that said, yeah, Rejects, as far as the, the, the grittiness and the, uh, you know, sort of realism and whatnot, um, that's what he intended to do the first time how he got off on you know dr satan and all that stuff (laughs) trying to make a realistic movie i don't know (laughs) right well he first time so yeah and he he came up with the concept while he was designing a a theme park attraction yeah (laughs) which totally makes sense so that yeah that checks out for sure I was thinking this time watching it that when they're on the sort of like true crime ride with Captain Spaulding, I was like, this is a dope ride. I want to go I love on this. it. I, lo- I want a haunt. Have you ever been to a haunt that, that does it, Pat? Well, he did um, a few years ago. He had Rob Zombie's Great American Nightmare, and it was a uh, he did one in L.A. and one in Phoenix, and it was, um, you know, uh, a run of of haunted mazes uh and then there was also you know extra things like some of the the props on display from his stage displays and some of his movie stuff on display and then there was also concerts going on you know throughout it so uh he has you know done that and you know taking that sort of uh you know putting you in the middle of it the year the year that we went to the the LA one there was a it was sort of an extended uh murder ride like from the from the movie um and you know had some things included that you know weren't mentioned in the movie and whatnot mm-hmm. and we've been to these things a hundred times i mean you and i uh ariel have you know done these things together and we were you know walking through it and you walked around a corner and you were in the uh the tate living room basically the murder scene from the the, the manson family killings and I flat out stopped in my tracks. I, uh, you know, again, I mean, I've seen those pictures. I've read the books. Oh, I've shit. seen all the things. 
and you seriously you walked around the corner and you saw a dead pregnant Sharon Tate on the floor. Oh you saw the blood draped on the on the couch, and um, yeah, I had never seen anything like that before. I, I was uh, like seriously like stopped for a second and was like, "Holy shit, this is this is happening right now." Yeah, um, that's mm-hmm. fucked up. <laughs> yeah. But with that said, you know, when you first walk in, you know, it's the uh it's Captain Spaulding's gas station, you know, uh you know, where he's got all the first stuff on first display and then you walk in, you know, to the rest of it. But so yeah, he has done these, you know, these things before and he's done some things just for for Universal. Um, you know, there's been House without the corpse has been there a couple of times now. So yeah, this is what's interesting. I find it interesting, I guess, how much specifically. Well, even honestly, Lords of Salem too. They're like kind of true crime inspired. Um, like the Salem witch trials is not really true crime, but it's the same like kind of like true story, mm-hmm. like true like kind of sordid, nasty story that people get obsessed with and and i feel well the devil's rejects more i feel like is feels like manson family shit house of a thousand corpses is definitely house of a thousand corpses is very texas chainsaw massacre which i guess is like kind of ed gein related yeah it definitely has uh, a combination of texas chainsaw one and two in a way where yes there is sort of that uh out in the middle of nowhere Mm -hmm. you know aspect to it but then there is also the over the top weird and wild aspect like number two has so yeah it kind of like uh i mean i guess there's a lot of films like it but like i was thinking like old, like almost like an older vibe like it has this like older fucked up vibe like spider baby or something like that like yeah. that's some off the wall fucking flick like that like that's kind of the energy i feel like the first one has this devil's rejects reminds me a lot of texas chainsaw too yeah definitely yeah. Particularly also because of the insane um, sheriff. <laughs> so yes, there's like yes. lots of parallels. Really? But the first one, yeah, like it's it's very, um, I don't know, it's cartoonish. Not in a bad way. I, I like it. I, um, I actually, I like that one a lot. I, I think it has a, I, I guess, fun vibe, even though it's like a fucked up kind of movie, I guess. <laughs> it is fun. It is fun. Okay. I'm going to, so... We have our kind of three main players in um, this one in House of a Thousand Corpses and in The Devil's Rejects and in the third one, Three from Hell, which we're not going to talk about. But we have Captain Spaulding, who we meet at the beginning, who is running the gas station slash true crime ride slash curio shop kind of situation. He's not actually I forgot how little he's in this first one. He kind of disappears for most of the movie. We have Baby, who's played by Sherry Moon Zombie, who I think we're going to talk about a lot during this episode because she's in all three of these movies. (laughs) Yep. Who's kind of the, like, girly girl psycho uh, of the group. Very sexual. And uh, there's also, and there's Otis, who, like, I mean, as far as transfer to, as far as parallels with Texas Chainsaw, um, he's Chop Top. Mm -hmm. So... (laughs) Um, Chop Top, my favorite, one of my favorite characters in all of horror. (laughs) And and Otis is also close. Otis, who changes, I think, a lot between House of a Thousand Corpses and The Devil's Rejects, at least, like, watching them, like, backward. I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. Otis kind of started out more as, like, a, a, like, hippie, like, kind of countercultural type. Yeah, he was definitely 
a little bit more um, sort of conspiracy theory, you know, backwoods type in the first one. Um, and then, you know, once he was sort of the uh, the leader of the pack a little bit more, once Rejects came and then even, you know, Three from Hell, um, he was, you know, just more of the you know, sort of in-your-face badass than just the the weirdo in the house, the, you know, in the, like he was in the first one. So I'm going to, I want to try something. Do you guys know, okay, I know that Pat knows, but <laughs> do we know who we think our role would be in the Devil's Rejects Three from Hell trio? Oh you know gosh. who you are. I'm going to count to three and we can call it out. You think you guys know? Oh, man. I can it can be aspirational or act. Yeah, I'll just go ahead. Go it ahead. can be either. It can be whatever you feel in okay. your heart. Okay. 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 I'm going to count down. Okay. Three, two, one. Baby. Captain Spaulding. Well, I want to be. Spaulding, yeah. Me and Pat are going to, we're going to, we're going to actually. You get to fight to the death. No, we're just going to morph into the same being. Captain oh, my God. Spaulding. Yes. You're going to have to wear your, like, your like double shirt kind of situation where you like yeah each have like an arm in the shirt you could be like you have to like meld your faces together with the face paint yes actually i think it could work that's the plan i i I actually did not expect that ariel i kind of thought you were gonna pick otis i want to be spalding he's cool he has a whole museum thing that he leads yeah no it's it's captain spalding is undeniably the coolest (laughs) <laughs> I almost went for Otis, but I feel like I'm more of a wild card, which is definitely baby. And that's sort of, you know, kind of what she became for the the three movies. It's like in the first one, she was the same way, a little, mm-hmm. you know, weird, a little cartoony. And then in Redeck, she, you know, was full on, you know, just badass killer. And then... Again, I mean, I know we're not really getting into Three from Hell, but even in Three from Hell, she was a little bit of both. That, that was the first time that she had kind of brought it back to the way she first played Baby as far as, you know, being a little just off the wall, but also ready and willing to, you know, kill people. So. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, she's always a little bit quirky, funny. She's she, uh, like, this is also something about Rob Zombies. I feel like he kind of wears his influences on his sleeve. And, and also talking about House of a Thousand Corpses, it's so like it, this movie is from 2003, which is really the peak, I think, like, like a big moment for kind of schlocky, like a particular type, a particular like vibe of horror movie. And this one is so like, this one is definitely just a Rob Zombie movie. It doesn't really resemble anything else like it doesn't resemble like cabin fever or wrong turn or like anything that came out during this time yeah i think he um i i doubt that you know he was sort of aware of what was going on at the time exactly but it it definitely you know like like you said it's it's a rob zombie movie you know again it kind of stands out from those sort of kind of whitewashed you know remakes and things that you know there was such a line from there for a little while you know this was at the time i mean as you know as far as anything else that i can really think of you know this was just the first sort of everybody dies just because movie that was kind of out at that time and i think that he even knew i mean there's promo t-shirts from the crew had and on the back of them it says everybody fucking dies yeah (laughs) i I think that was a you know you know probably uh 
a decision on his part that he was like, you know, nobody's going to be safe. You know, there's not going to be anybody walking away in the sunset. Yeah, this one has, this one sets itself up. It, I mean, it, it feels very Texas Chainsaw and that, like, it sets up, like, one girl who goes through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yes. You, like, her moment where she escapes and, and it goes into the road and finds someone, it's, it's still mean. Yeah, it's, it is, yeah, it's like, <laughs> me. it is, like, like, we've talked about, like, mean horror, and I feel like this kind of, like, at least for like American film, like brought it in almost. I mean, I don't know if it if it could be really responsible for it, but it was kind of doing that before some of the other shit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, everything else that came out that year was not really mean in that same way. Yeah, I mean, you look at like lots of horror movies from the late '90s kind of stuff. There's like it, they follow like a pretty familiar trajectory, and yeah, yeah. this one is just really fucking mean. Yeah, mean and very, like, banal or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it just gets very, uh, which I, I like. <laughs> I like Yo, that, yeah. that vibe. But, yeah, he certainly wasn't. I mean, I can't imagine he ever. I, I would never say of Rob Zombie that he's trying to go with a zeitgeist. So, and this is not that <laughs> at all. So, yeah. Yeah, and this one this one's, like, very, it has, like, a lot of old Hollywood kind of elements to it. I mean, they're, like, watching old movies at, at various points, which is very much a just Rob Zombie thing to have happen. Mm-hmm. I think many, if not, like, all of his movies have people watching black and white movies going on at some point. Well, I mean, it's literally, I mean, yeah, I, I feel like every movie at some point has moments of that. And then, you know, there's even the, like, the CSI episode that he directed there's a moment where you know you it passes by a tv and there's sort of a you know blurred out bella lugosi on the tv as it's going by i mean it's just it's just his way to uh to get (laughs) those things in there so yeah i had no idea he directed an episode of csi yeah yeah i think i've seen that one he basically said what What happens did it for the experience of it is that the is that the the weird maybe not i was is it the one with the graveyard thing the thing that happens in the graveyard pat or no the graveyard yeah and csi the csi episode looking up right now i don't know i mean to be honest it's been a long time since i've seen it i don't oh you call yourself a true fan (laughs) (laughs) i feel like i was watching I swear to God, I've seen it, but now I have completely derailed us. I'm sorry. Um, no, I'm I'm trying to find this out now. I need what is the truth? But was it, you know, like what you said earlier, where he kind of wears his influences on his sleeve? I mean, that's I think definitely a, you know, one of his calling cards. I mean, he's gonna put things out there that you know the average person's not seen in 2023 or any other year for that matter. It's he's putting those those elements sort of you know back into you know maybe not mainstream necessarily but um you know but putting them out there to be seen um and even in a way i mean it's you know kind of similar to what his his music is exactly the same way where i mean he's got those those uh dialogue samples and you know things like that throughout his songs and you know interludes between songs and whatnot it's just his uh his opportunity to 
do what he likes, I guess. So this episode that he directed of CSI, because I now looked it up, has to do with a porn king's satanic party at which a guest is murdered. I do remember that I don't know. What is a porn king? I don't know. (laughs) It's it's me, the king of porn! (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> he has graced us with his presence. I just, I can't remember a whole lot about the episode just because I mean I've never that's probably literally the only episode of CSI I've ever watched. That's um, fair. So I don't remember who's who or anything like that, but I do remember a scene when at this uh I guess Porn King's house. Um is that a porn uh, star or is he a porn king? He's a porn king. <laughs> Um, he uh, there, there's a band playing, and it's actually his guitar player's band, John Five, and they're, you know, playing like at one point during the episode, and I just thought that was cool because John Five was on TV. So, <laughs> wow. Okay, so there's, I guess, um, he did not have a great time directing this episode. He, uh, at least according to IMDb, he wasn't allowed to have creative freedom. So he didn't get to do all the things he wanted. I would love to see a director's cut of this episode of CSI. And also he didn't get along with David Caruso. (laughs) I do remember reading that at some point that he was like, once once it happened, he basically couldn't wait for it to be done just because he was shooting on somebody else's turf, you know, so he wasn't able to do his thing. Um, yeah. he does have, I don't remember you, maybe you, when you mentioned the graveyard thing, he did, uh, he did direct a commercial for Tide also that is in a, uh, <laughs> like a, a graveyard of sorts. Cause it's getting clothes like clean that are out in these weird elements and whatnot. Uh, but that was the same deal. He basically just, he was trying to do every like form of directing that he could. Cause I mean, even, even before House of Thousand Corpses. He had done, you know, music videos. He had done, you know, a couple of videos for Ozzy Osbourne and stuff like that. And so he was just trying to have as much experience as he could in different different elements and different forms is where, you know, where all of that came from. So, yeah, that makes sense. And honestly, it's it's very funny if you are Rob Zombie to be like, I'm directing a commercial. Fuck you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the grave digger is doing his laundry. <laughs> I'm wrong. I don't know. There is some. It's either CSI or a CSI-like show that has like a horror director. Because I remember seeing the credits and being like, "What the fuck?" And it wasn't <laughs> Rob Zombie because this. I looked at the plot and it has nothing to do. Like, there was there's no like Porn King. No, there's like people that were killed in a house, and then, uh, then there's also like this guy who like fakes or tried to fake his, like he's in a coffin and then is like scratching out, you know, like it's all these Halloween thing. I sound insane. I'll find it eventually. I know. I, I believe you. Yes. <laughs> and I look forward to it. It has nothing to do with Rob Zombie. No, with so. Yeah, no, we're, we're I'm sorry. so sorry. We're so off track. I just needed <laughs> to follow the CSI. Yeah. I, I sort of lead. I, I brought up something kind of out of the blue on there. So, so oh, yeah, House of Thousand Corpses was, <laughs> Oh yeah, oh yeah, House of Thousand Corpses. <laughs> it um in a way, you know, I, I mean everything we were just talking about as far as his influences and all that kind of stuff, like when you really look at that movie, 
when he started making the movie, he was making it for Universal. So, I mean, that's how there's like, you know, there's that big wall with the, the Creature from the Black Lagoon poster because, you know, they yeah. owned the rights to it. So he didn't have to go through all that stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's uh, there's like a, a Frankenstein mask, you know, in Captain Spaulding's gas station and, you know, all of that. And, you know, so all of those things were, you know, ways to put his influences in there. And, you know, one of the things that... <clears throat> That uh, I always say, you know, amongst the all the Rob Zombie haters, for whatever reason, you know, the people that you know just think he can do no nothing good. To me, House of Thousand Corpses, it's it's a horror fan making a movie for horror fans. You know, there's all these you know crazy elements to it. There's you know weirdness to it. There's influences. You know, so, I mean, I don't see how, you know, I, I honestly, I mean, you know, not even just me, you know, being a fanboy and you know, all that. I don't understand why, you know, he gets the hate that he does, you know, for these movies. That, you know, he's he's far from perfect, but I don't understand the hate aspect. Yeah, I feel like, honestly, I have to say, I did not expect to like rob zombie and i had kind of avoided his films until like a couple years ago i I think probably honestly it's probably some kind of musical prejudice too i i definitely like the whole like oz fest like lineup i mean i think yeah there is you know the whole oz fest scene you know was definitely you know if you're not into that i mean i mean you know, I wasn't, you know, I've never went to it or anything like that. And, but so, I mean, you could definitely, you know, maybe sort of lump them into that, you know, weird kind of bro metalhead dick in your hand scene that, you know, is, you know, if you're not into it, you're not into it. So, but with that said, he is probably amongst, you know, those performers and those things. Like, I mean, about as far away from it as you can get because he's he's not that guy like he's you know he doesn't you know he's not a drug addict he's well spoken he's smart <laughs> you know he's like you know so and i think that in a way led to the way he did his movies where he just he kind of had that uh that ability to just put the idea out there and make it happen like i said he's definitely it's not perfect by any means. I mean, you know, is uh, all of these movies, you know, whether it's the three we're talking about or, you know, all the rest. I mean, he's got clunky dialogue and, you know, his comedic timing is bad and, you know, stories are, you know, pretty thin, but, but they're just fun just for the hell of it. Horror, you know, there's, you know, it's that's all that's all there is to it and that's what i understand that what what the hate is about because you know there was a point in time where you were just watching movies for you know blood violence and boobs that's all you wanted that's all you watched them for and now we're in this era of you know you know this sort of intellectual thing that you know kind of rewriting movies each time a new one comes out and uh I, I just don't I don't think it fits that current narrative, I guess. Yeah, I mean we can come back to that because I think Lords of Salem kind of does. 
and also was kind of ahead of the curve on that shit. But, mm. but yeah, House of a Thousand Corpses is like fun. I don't know. And there's, there's something to it also that, I, I mean, he's obviously like always just making what he wants to make and not necessarily following the, the zeitgeist of film at the time. So I think, I don't really know. Do y'all have anything like specific to say about House of a Thousand Corpses before we start talking about the Devil's Rejects? Because I think we can kind of talk about them. It's hard to talk about them in singularity, I think. Yeah, because yeah, they're kind yeah. of... they are very interesting. Yeah, it's hard not to get in and out of them, sort of, you know. Yeah. Some, you yeah, know, so and... I'll, then I'll say um, House of a Thousand Corpses 2003, The Devil's Rejects 2005. The only thing I have left to say about House of a Thousand Corpses Rain Wilson. This was right before. Oh yeah, I this forgot. is right before The Office happened. Yeah. Wild that he was in this, like wild. I Great. was going to say. I, I thought about when we were calling out who we would be. I was like, really, I'm Rain Wilson. <laughs> fish boy. Yeah, fish yeah. boy. That's me. Fish boy. <laughs> you should be so lucky to be fish boy. <laughs> Otherwise you have to get like buried alive and vivisected and shit. How do you summarize the Devil's Rejects? I mean, them still going on their crazy they're just going on a spree at this yeah, point. Yeah, so this is I guess I haven't even really summarized House of a Thousand Corpses. I mean it's it's basically the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um a a, a group of a group of people they are supposed to be teenagers we haven't talked about this is very important maybe i'll actually edit <laughs> this and put it at the beginning so we can really <laughs> be clear they're supposed to be teenagers is what i've seen rain wilson has visible crow's feet <laughs> so. yeah i mean i i don't think i've ever heard teenagers necessarily i mean maybe that was how it was originally written or something possibly. Yeah, but yeah, I don't I, know I never, where it comes from. Yeah, I've never, never, but you know, they're also calling it a comedy. So it might just be, you know, <laughs> it's, it's probably, you know, Google AI just, uh, <laughs> oh my God. For you. There you go. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So two couples are on a road trip. They stop at this, uh, curio store, museum, funhouse attraction, run by captain spaulding because they have because i i don't know if they've heard of it or if they just happen across it and they're like holy shit but they are writing a book about roadside attractions across the u.s so they're on a road trip they tell captain spaulding that they are writing something about this and, and he shows them he they go on his ride in which he talks about dr satan a infamous entity in the area according to him that you know was experimenting on people and they hung him from a tree but supposedly he survived and and kept on doing evil deeds and so they're like we want to see the tree supposedly you know the tree is significant so we want to see the tree is it close to here and he's like sure i'll give you directions to the tree well it's a trap because this is also this also feels a little bit wrong turn where it's a trap they run across baby while she's hitchhiking theoretically hitchhiking they pick her up and then their car gets fucked up she's like oh don't worry my brother's my brother's got a tow truck he'll you can stay with us and then they're just in this house where 
they're yeah they're just doing texas chainsaw massacre shit as far as i know they're not actually eating anyone which as we know the sawyers definitely are but they're taking people and fucking with them and experimenting on them what i love about this also is that it does not take place on halloween it takes place like the night before halloween for some reason (laughs) yeah maybe it's because like as like the clock strikes midnight it's halloween and they're celebrating it from the top i don't know So it's like christmas eve in that way like you're (laughs) yeah it's halloween eve okay yeah you might actually say it's halloween eve so the uh dr satan a few years ago there was a uh, a bass player that's in a band that i've worked with a few times and he posted a picture he's in a new band and he posted a picture of some guy (laughs) asleep in the van and he said dr satan's sleeping and i was Uh like what the hell what are you talking about dr satan sleeping he's like this is the guy that played dr satan i'm going completely blank on his name right now but anyway the guy that played dr satan is the drummer in his new band and of course i lost my shit i was like oh "Oh my god that's crazy (laughs) and uh he messaged me he's like dude shoot me your address he's like he's gonna send you something i'm like okay and i got a autographed dr satan picture from the dude uh just because i came across the picture and lost my shit on facebook so (laughs) oh my god that's (laughs) That's so funny that's so fucking cool the thing that's funny is you know all these uh you know, with me being, you know, fan, all I've had these weird connections to things. I did a show at the well and um, a guy saw my shirt and he's like, oh, you know, I, I see you're wearing a Rob Zombie shirt. He's like, my my dad was in a movie with him. I'm like, OK, who's your dad? And he was the old man, grandpa dude in House of a Thousand Corpses. And he started telling me about being on set with his dad and running lines with him and stuff. And <laughs> meeting zombie and he was always you know so cool to him and all this and uh so yeah i I, you know somehow of some way have kind of made all these little connections yeah that's funny well even like the weird this is not this movie specific but like the weird thing we found out of my my like i'm related to uh not i'm not related to rob zombie but i am related I am related to Wayne Toth, um, yeah. and uh, I did not know that. Um, not a blood relation, but a family yeah. relation, nonetheless. Anyways. It's like my family can trace their lineage all the way back to Rob's office. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. True horror cred. Exactly. Um, so anyways, well, yeah, see. you're you're surrounded by these weird little whirlpools that always lead you to Rob Zombie. Yeah, yeah, it's always, it's always there. <laughs> another so it's your fate if we're gonna talk eventually about uh oh we will lords of salem it's your fate not your destiny and destiny separate (laughs) okay so now that we have now that we've gone into the parts of house of a thousand corpses that are distinct to house of a thousand corpses then we can talk about the devil's rejects which um this was after this is like it's very funny they they there's no suspicion of them. I don't think. Well, no, I guess they did kill a couple of cops during House of a Thousand Corpses. Where like they're probably going to get investigated after this because like cops disappeared on their property, so they get busted and raided by the cops, and then they have to flee. And this is them being on the road 
is like road killers really true crime style very thelma and louise what police have uncovered reads like this words can't describe it we here we are playing on a level that most will never see you're gonna start the killing you best start it right here Louise a lot with this one too actually wow yeah I don't know Maybe can I tell you me. can I confess something to both sure. of you I've never seen Thelma and Louise oh I know what God. happens in it more or less I mean basically it's the plot of Devil's Rejects no I'm kidding it's not <laughs> identical films it's the same I mean it's definitely worth watching but, but yeah this reminded me of it I think mostly just because like road trip being on the run but there's kind of like that, like there's a standoff, you know, at one point and it's just, it felt very like the ending of this movie felt very much like the ending of Thelma and Louise, like pretty much beat for beat, yeah. <laughs> except this one was playing Freebird. So the music in this was wild. I'm like, okay. The music in this. Also in like Lords of Salem where I'm like, he gets this shit and is like, he, it's because he's Rob Zombie and he has the connections. Like, the, the shit that he gets music-wise, like, this yeah, man. There's, there's music. definitely some of that that's somewhat connected to the record label a little bit where they've already got the rights to things. And that, in a way, it goes back to you know, what we talked so much about, you know, with him and his influences and stuff. He, you know, openly admits, he's like, yeah, I basically, you know, listen to classic rock and that's it. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, so he, you know, was putting all those, I mean, definitely weird that he went with Freebird, you know, at the end of <laughs> Devil's Rejects, but. It's kind of funny. Like, I, I, mean, I think it's, it's it feels like intentional humor. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there is a little bit, you know, of like tongue in cheek to it a little bit, but, um, you know, because not only is it freaking Freebird, but then he plays it in like. All the, the way through. Yeah, he plays the entire song. Fucking song. Yeah. Now you're just showing that, off at this point, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's just another way, I think, for him to, you know, kind of get some of those influences and some of those um, inspirations into the films. I mean, even yeah, it works. works. No, this is this is what's really funny is that I feel like Rob Zombie makes films exactly like I would if I. Yeah could make films that like he casts his pe obviously like the people he likes in these <laughs> movies because it's the same performers over and over again including his wife yeah and even wife that guy you know, entirely he went he was going for the you know because he didn't want to make a movie with you know these pretty boy current actors he wanted it to be you know sort of real in a way you know people age and they they don't necessarily all look like you know that little boy over there but you know that's that's how he got you know sid haig and even michael berryman and devil's rejects and 
Um, I mean, there's, I mean, Karen Black, you know, those were all actors and actresses from movies that he loved. I mean, like you mentioned uh, Spider Baby earlier. Mm -hmm. Spider Baby is one of his favorite movies. And that's actually Ed Haig's, you know, first film. Right, yeah. Um, You know, it was just him working with people that he admired and wanted to work with and and Sid Egg, I mean it, I think it's in the uh the commentary for House of a Thousand Corpses. I mean he basically says, you know, that his uh his career was circling the drain and you know Rob Zombie pulled him out of it. Um so yeah he yeah. he he's great in in both of them too. Like he's just he's such a fucking character. Yeah. Yes. I love him. Um, And I know, like, it's funny because I think part of the reason there's distaste for these films, or at least, like, I know, like, Brian, like, I was talking to Brian about it because he's like, I don't really like these movies because you're rooting for, um, you're rooting for these three and they're just not good people. And, like, it makes no bones about it, right? Like, at all. But they are the main characters. And um, there's something... I think the second one feels so mean to me because th- that one fully goes into it. Like there this isn't one feels very much like these are the protagonists of the yes. House Whereas of the, the other corpses, one... you have like a pretty typical slasher setup yeah. where there's people, maybe teenagers, maybe not. <laughs> maybe teenagers writing a book and traveling America <laughs> as one does as a teen. Um, yeah, no, you're right. They are like literally. It starts with them. It ends with them. Like. They're the main characters, they're the protagonists. And I think like that feels very distasteful, but there's something like very honest and like cheeky even about doing that because, you know, you think about like, I mean, 80, 80 slashers are the big one, right? Where it's like we, everyone was rooting for those killers, right? Even though they weren't the main characters, but he's like, well, fuck it, let's make them the main characters and let's make them horrible. And you have to kind of be in their heads the whole time. And it's gross. That. that's part of why is, i think it feels very dirty it this feels film bad feels grimy i feel like i didn't i did think that some in devil's rejects like at the time when i was seeing it mm-hmm. but you know at the end of the movie i mean it even though at the time we thought they were dead mm-hmm. uh the crowd i mean i I've, I've never been in the movie theater before when people stand up and clapped <laughs> that was, you know, it was a combination of the movie. It was a combination, you know, it was just in general. Because I mean, it was opening night and all that kind of stuff. But it's Freebird. Yeah, it does that. I remember. That's you, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I remember thinking, I was like, all right, you know, I guess this is, you know, this is the killer's crowd, you know, type of thing. <laughs> I I didn't necessarily feel like that's what he was doing at the time. When I saw Three from Hell, Three from Hell, I definitely had that feeling. I was like, all right, like, what the hell are we doing here? Like, we're literally, you know, I mean, it was just short of the three of them walking off into the sunset in that movie. That's bizarre. Okay. That that did that did feel a little, yeah, that's a little weird. But in Rejects, I feel like it was a little bit more the uh, the journey and the run was sort of the focus of it more than you know let's root for the killers it was just these people in general i guess is sort of the way i felt that at the time yeah i mean i don't think like root for is maybe a strong word because i don't think like 
But I think that everyone in this movie is awful. And, like, there's... Because we're just with them the entire time, like, you are invested in them, you know? And, like, the the antagonist, I guess, the the crazy sheriff, who's, like, literally we're watching him unravel um, yeah, okay. throughout the pro course of the film, like, he is a hateful, disturbed man. And you also don't want them to really be... You know what I mean? Like, you don't want them to meet their fate by him. So there comes so a point where, yeah, it, it's really, it. I don't know, there's a lot of bad people and they could come from anywhere <laughs> kind of thing. I mean, honestly, also, William Forsythe is so good. He's this. so I was, good. I was really taking that in on this. A nasty this boy. He's. I love him so much. This is a character actor. I feel like every time he pops up, I have a hard time even recognizing him because he <laughs> is always so He's different. So in it. Well, I mean, yeah, I feel he's like, just so nasty in this gross. one. I feel like out of all of his movies, like that's probably the best, like sort of character actor performance that he's gotten in you know any of Zombies movies as far as what he got from William Forsyth. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, there's cool things you know throughout his movies, and Sid Haig is great and all that stuff. But but yeah, I feel like this is probably the best performance that. Um, that he got in any of his movies. It's it's really electric. Yeah, it's 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 bizarre how honestly how good. Well, and I think yeah, I think it's like bad can come from anywhere. But I think also like these, you know, the Devil's Rejects are the titular Devil's Rejects. The titular um, Devil's Rejects are very. I think, or at least for me, I think part of the weird cognitive dissonance is like they're so joyful and they are a, like their chemistry as a family like i'm thinking of the scene when they're driving in the car and like yeah. just they stop for ice cream and it's like it's it's about family right that's what this <laughs> film's about in the end so it's, it's a like, family film there's like they're fucked up they're awful and um you hate what they do and you have to watch what they do like there is no turning away from it but the the weird bizarre thing i think going on in your brain when you watch is you're like this is gross and i hate them and they're terrible but then they're like oh my god but they like love each other and they're like living their best life and their life is insane like that that shouldn't be anyone's best life but they are living their truth whereas the cop is evil and horrible but like fucking dark and twisted right like he is yeah. not happy at all about any of this and like There's he's no kind likeness. of there's like a misery yeah and a heaviness to him so like they make such a good they're good foils for each other it's that very much like batman joker thing going on yeah yeah and i feel like this is kind of the like countercultural aspect of it where like they are living like against society right and whether they're living in a way that is good or bad or that is harmful or not <laughs> i don't think is like relevant no well and that's the thing that's what he that's what these movies make you have to entertain. And I think that's part of what makes people mad about Rob Zombie is because I think that he doesn't sit in with kind of those conversations about morality. He doesn't play that game. I think, yeah. honestly, I think that makes people mad. Um, that makes sense. I also, I wonder how much of it is also like classism that like it's, oh, it's yeah. doing it in like an elevated way. It annoys people. <laughs> Oh yeah, he's like a fucking redneck, right? Like he's like the the white trash uh, horror man, right? And it's great, like he fucking rocks it. So, um, I mean, that is something that people 
get on them about because you know obviously the fire fire firefly family is you know backwoods and white trash and then even when he introduced the backstory to uh to the halloween movies you know there was sort of that you know kind of white trash aspect to it and Mm -hmm. so yeah there's definitely people have said like you know what what's the deal basically as far as that goes huh like what's the like say what is the deal like as in like he's being racist towards white culture or something like i I think i think they just they, for whatever reason, they just don't like it. They don't. They're like, just that's my heritage. That's my heritage. You're disrespecting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, um, I think just a lot of people are like against things that are trashy to them. Yes, and and honestly, like, I mean, the, they're two very different people. But like, you know, I think of like fucking John Waters, who's like, I'm. This is my art. Art is trash. You know. And so, yeah. Like, absolutely. Feels, no, oh, that's like, true. I like that parallel. He feels similar and to me, yes. That, you know, my art is trash aspect. There's actually, in the commentary of Devil's Rejects, um, Bill Mosley is, uh, he's talking about the, um, when he's got them still alive in the uh, motel room and he's molesting her with the uh, the handgun. Mm-hmm. And he says to Zombie, he's like, I'm kind of having a hard time with this, kind of bumming me out. And (laughs) Zombie's uh, response was, art isn't safe. So I think that sort of ties Mm -hmm. into that, you know, John Waters aspect where, you know, it's not necessarily what you want it to be. That's not always going to make you feel good. And that is like a brutal scene. It's really, but that's rough. Yeah, I mean, art isn't safe. I love that. And, and yeah, you shouldn't have to, you know, if it's not your bag, it's not your bag. But, like, he doesn't have to stop doing these scenes. Especially because, like, that's, like, it turns on a, like, the movie's tone kind of turns on a dime. Right? Yeah. Like, it's very much like you are in the brain of the Firefly fa- family. Because, you know, you're doing the joyful thing. You're stopping for ice cream. And then next thing you know, like, it is a sinister... You you have to take this movie seriously in a way that you didn't think you had to take it seriously. Yeah, yeah this is honestly like, and and this is where like, yeah, his movies are mean and they suggest something that's really dark and upsetting, and especially that that's really like hammered home by the fact that he can make characters so likable and make you really relate to them. I mean, even in the beginning of House of a Thousand Corpses, there's two people, obviously locals, who break into, who who try to hold up Captain Spaulding's, like, gas station. And you can tell, like, I mean, he and his little dude know them. And, 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 like, it gives you empathy for them in this moment before they die horribly. And, (laughs) And, like, you know, it's just, like, a really complicated scene where, like, yeah, they're holding up his store... But it also is like, oh, yeah, this guy used to get picked on in school. And you feel for that in some way. And you kind of feel for, you know, that they're doing this, obviously, like, probably because they need to. But also, fuck them. <laughs> right. I don't know. Um, also in House of a Thousand Corpses, which I hadn't really thought about that much before now, but I feel like it's significant, is that part of their Halloween ritual, where they are torturing and burying alive and and feeding to like they're feeding to dr satan these unfortunate people who just 
ended up in their clutches or whatever. They have them in rabbit suits. Yeah. They have them in like bunny suits, which is for one thing kind of aesthetically fun. But for <laughs> another thing is like uh like Otis is like yelling run rabbit run, where it's like, you know, they just see regular people as being prey mm-hmm. and they are predators. And that's just the way things work. There's a, kind of like an unsavory implication there. Well, that and that is how the world works. And there's, I feel like a lot of the time, there's like an underlying fear in life that that is how the world works. Yeah, yeah. And I, I do think that like, I think it's more interesting when you look at art outside of like a moral lens. But if you want to be like moralistic about how like you're imbibing your horror or your content, like. I think that it's actually a lot more nuanced to not look at like this bad, this good, and more like take some things and like shake them up in a snow globe and have you just have to fucking see it all. You know what I mean? Where it's like, okay, all these things, you're going to feel all these things and it's going to confuse you and it's going to be weird. I think that's doing something a little bit more, um, you know, nuanced with you and like, and making you kind of empathize with stuff that's really distasteful and i think that's more valuable if you're gonna need that then then these guys are the bad guys and these are the good ones you know <laughs> yeah I, I think that um you know it kind of ties in the uh the texas chainsaw stuff we were talking about earlier because you know there's like that scene at the dinner table when you know the grandpa's like you know i, I just can't i can't kill i can't get into it and but he's there like supporting his family and doing what they got to do like yeah so this is the same way in a way like they're you know yes the whole reason that they're out on the road and on this on the run is because they killed a bunch of people but they're you're also seeing them out there you know sort of taking care of each other and protecting each other and you know there's this uh this family element to it that you know might be a fucked up family but it's still it's still there well and i rob's i don't even know if i'm just making something up but i feel like i was noticing when i was watching because i had never seen i had seen house of a thousand corpses and then i had never seen devil's rejects and i had seen lords of salem so um but i was noticing especially watching devil's rejects but then seeing it like really in conjunction like close conjunction with Lords of Salem, it seems like Rob Zombie, like he obviously has his interest in like influences on his sleeve, black and white horror, but also like he seems to have like a current, like a undercurrent of like, I don't know what he's saying, but it's always like people are watching and listening to news a lot. Like he yeah. does that quite a bit. Like he has sort of a, I don't know if it's like a commentary on like connection on like mass media, but like he's doing something interesting, like as a through line between films that aren't even related um, of this sort of connection to to people through. I don't know, like specifically television and radio. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, um, yeah, he also loves an expert. He loves to have, like, an expert in something. Yes. Incidentally, in his films, I honestly, one of my favorite scenes in The Devil's Rejects is the Groucho Marx expert. Oh my god, that shit's so fucking funny. It is so funny. I was like, what are we doing here? It goes on for so long. You're like, okay. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like when I saw it, 
and I think I feel like even still when I see it, I I feel like it was a weird way to kind of shoehorn in that whole you know Marx Brothers connection with the the uh, the aliases and the the nicknames and stuff. Like I remember at the time thinking like. All right, like, does this guy really need to be here? Like, I'm sure we could have. He doesn't need to be here. But yeah. That's he part of why he's fun. I love it. Much like Tom Bombadil, that is part of why he's fun. Um, I, I think that there's also there, that feels like a mean dig at Hollywood. I feel like, and I don't know if that's yeah. true, but that, that feels like very intentionally at someone, <laughs> right? Or a group of people. Like, this guy um, is someone. That Rob this Zombie has of, interacted with. I, I think, in a of, way, I mean, whether it's somebody specifically or not, I don't know. But I mean, I have seen him, you know, talk about, you know, these people that, you know, write reviews and stuff that, you know, there's times where, you know, you almost get the feeling that they're not even reviewing a movie that they saw, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, so he, ha- he has talked about that kind of stuff before, um, you know, and I, I think that could, in a way could be you know, somewhat related to that. I also feel like this is something where much uh, just like he makes movies like I would make them like he just knows this fact about how Groucho Marx died a few days after Elvis. And so the got like completely overshadowed in the the (laughs) cycle, which is another news cycle thing. That's true. I didn't even think about that. Like he just wanted that to be part of the movie. Absolutely. <laughs> I think Rob Zombie is one of those people that it's, I think, again, like easy to not take seriously, right? Like you can not like his music or think like, yeah, he's like not doing like what is considered high art or whatever. And I think on some level you can just flat enjoy, maybe not Lords of Salem. I think that's a little more mentally challenging, but these two, um, just on a really basic level, like just this is trash horror film and I'm having yeah. fun. But if you want, you can get in it. And I think he's doing some stuff that's like, that's pretty smart and like pretty sophisticated, right? It's just not packaged in a way that you might, um, you know, you're not spending a hundred dollars on that meal, right? It's a taco at the the end of the street. Slick in terms of production, but that's also what gives it its charm. Yeah. And its distinction. And I think that's part of, you know, the, you know, like the hate that I was talking about earlier. I mean, that might be, you know, sort of tied into it where they're almost expecting him to not be bringing anything to the table. So they're basically just saying he didn't bring anything to the table. You know, because I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, the idea of House of a Thousand Corpses is super thin and easy. And even like another movie he did, 31, like that's totally thin and easy. There's no, you know, layers to it or anything like that. But I can remember like years ago when. Uh, his Educated Horses album came out and I remember reading a review saying, you know, this is typical schlocky Rob Zombie and that is like the absolute opposite of that album. That album is not that way at all. But Hmm. I think in a way it's people reaching and seeing they're like, okay, you know, let's reach into the, the Rob Zombie bag and, you know, oh, it's schlocky, oh, it's this, it's that and you know, it's just because they assume that's what it's going to be. They don't think right. they're going to preconceived to notions. Yeah. yeah, this one's uh, honestly. So I like talking about like horror as uh, immoral or not. Uh, I don't know. Talking about like like moral or non-moral 
horror. Mm -hmm. I I like have increasingly we do so many we talk about so many movies that employ kind of dream logic and mm -hmm. and that feel like one of my honestly one of my favorite kind of horror movie tropes is for someone to say this is a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah because i feel like that's what it is is like it, it's it's a nightmare um it's an exploration of something that you know that, that gives you fear or disgust or dread and yeah we don't need to like it doesn't have to be a story that is instructive in some way it's just no. um, throwing some shit around and I, I mean like I, I do think the things that Rob Zombie seems to be interested in kind of as a like you know in like a through line to his films it's really interesting I mean we're not going to talk about the Halloween movies I know but I watched them recently <laughs> and I think they're really good um and I feel like he has like yeah I feel like he trains like an eye on things that I'm like oh I can tell that you've been like thinking about this and yeah, including like definitely like something on kind of like experts, like kind of mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so-called experts, um, like in, in like kind of charlatanism within that news and like how exploitative that can be. And he also is really interested in trauma and its effects on people, which is just rad. I don't know. And it's it's packaged in a way that is, yeah, imperfect because he likes to make movies the way he likes to make movies. Right. <laughs> Love him for that. I think at the end of the day, if he can't do things the way he wants to, then he's just not going to do it. You know, because like even with, I mean, again, I know we're not getting into the Halloween movies, but that was the first time where he had real direct competition. And unfortunately, it was with the fucking Weinsteins, but he made a more, you know, somewhat on par with the original Halloween as far as, you know, being, you know, elements and, you know, cerebral and, you know, yes, obviously there's just violence to it, but, you know, that was more of the movie he was making. And, you know, once the wine scene started seeing the dailies, you know, they were like, you know, we, we need more, we need it to be more zombie. And I think mm -hmm. in a way that's the same deal. It's them sort of taking the preconceived, you know, things from him, you know, that's what they expected to get you know that's what they that's what they wanted and you know i mean he's he's said flat out he's like yeah that was you know the worst experience making a movie because i was all of a sudden making it with them you know not doing his own thing mm -hmm. um, and i feel like you know if that was a a true thing that he had to deal with on every project he probably wouldn't be making movies right now I guess like we should move on to Lords of Salem. Are we ready? Yeah. yeah. Make parting thoughts about the Devil's Rejects or House of a Thousand Corpses. I think in a way it was cool to see, you know, like I said earlier, you know, Rejects was the movie that he thought he was going to make with corpses. But in a way it's, you know, it, it's kind of cool that you saw two completely different films, even though they're, you know, basically the, you know, the first one and the sequel and the same characters and everything. It was cool seeing, you know, there's two completely different movies that he made. Devil's Rejects was 
gross or not. You know, I, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know how he accomplished that movie after he said he didn't accomplish it the first time, but but it was it was definitely cool to sort of see the uh, see the differences in it. I really liked the part in House of a Thousand Corpses where Baby tells the guy that if he guesses her favorite movie star that she'll let him go. But if he gets it wrong, he's fucked. And he guesses Marilyn Monroe, which is a pretty good guess. But she's like, "Mm, no, Betty Davis. (laughs) (laughs) So good. And that that scene or that, uh, that set of uh of the house or the room in the house that was pretty much right on the other side of uh the jaws ride at universal studios and so during the day when they were filming things if they were actually rolling whenever the uh jaws shark came up out of the water they actually had to stop and wait because it made (laughs) noise whenever it was coming back oh my god um so that that was something from the uh, from the commentary, and I think in a way that's kind of cool, like having those little those little stories and knowing that he was literally on the Universal backlot making this movie. You know, since he does have all those you know those influences and the all those things that you know kind of pop up throughout the movie. So yeah, that is cool. Yeah, the imperfections also love that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. Next, we're talking about the Lords of Salem. Hi. Are you the new tenant? I just saw the tenant like 10 minutes ago standing in the doorway. I hate to break it to you, but there is no person in number five. You have to understand that there is a war waging in heaven. The devil's child would inherit the earth. Satan, Satan come, come to us! Welcome. Actually, it's just Lords of Salem, I think. Or is it The Lords of Salem? I'm going to find out. Okay, it's The Lords of Salem from 2012. And this one is really a departure. Big one. Big departure, I'd say. (laughs) This feels very much... This one feels... Where the other ones felt zany and like spider baby and this and that. And kind of just like splatter core shit. Um, This feels very like 70s, 60s, 70s. Like Rosemary's Baby... 
the omen, like the way that he films it and some of the angles and the shots um, and the shine, the shining, which I know is not 60s, 70s, but like he's doing a lot. And again, they feel like very stark influences. Well, that um, was definitely he talked about the, uh, the camera work and using Kubrick as a, you know, a reference for a lot of the stuff that, you know, using, you know, camera dollies and stuff like that, that he had never used in like the previous movies and things like that. And, you know, it was, uh, it was whether it's just the way he wanted to tell the story or whether it was him just wanting to do something different that, that aspect, I don't know, but I mean, he basically was making a completely different movie the way he, you know, had up to that point. I think he really achieved it in the look for sure. Like it feels fitting for the theme if we're talking about Salem witches, right. Um, To go kind of old school with it. Yeah. Which also I was thinking about as, as watching this movie, definitely Rosemary's baby Mm -hmm. and definitely the shining, but also Haxon, which we talked about, which we talked about actually in the last episode that Pat was in. Oh shit. Which is interesting. I mean, some of the, some of the kind of like anthropological context of the like of the witches from Salem and some of the flashbacks made me think of that. Made me think of the like kind of I don't know, like shadow boxy reenactments mm-hmm. from that. That's cool. Yeah, I can see that. Do you have a summary for it? Well, I guess if- we can say that um the lead Sherry Moon Zombie, which, yeah, Sherry Moon is going to be in all of these movies. Yeah. Is, uh, plays a, a woman who is a, she's a DJ. She's a, like, kind of morning host. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, She's, she's the girl who goes like, what? Yeah. (laughs) Pervert. Yeah. (laughs) Which is very, honestly, very her. Yes. And, um, also recovering addict and as in her she's she's given a record anonymously that she plays and it's this really spooky i don't know like it it definitely seems like metal but also is like you know played on like old instruments and it's very creepy that kind of spooks her out she's given this record and from there her life really starts to spiral and um she's haunted by apparitions and visions and also is kind of befriended at the same time by three spooky ladies in her apartment building so sure they're completely unrelated yeah definitely connection to rosemary's baby there yeah the nosy neighbor yeah yes Pat, as a as like a longtime zombie fan watching this one, what was that like? I mean, this is 2012, like well into his career. It was um like as it was happening, there was definitely a a moment of like, hey, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> um, you know, because I mean I knew I knew it was different. Like I, you know, it was before you know every little detail of things were you know already on the internet and twitter like as they were happening and stuff but um you know but i I was aware you know it was a a different style of film but 
yeah, it definitely it definitely took a little bit of getting used to. But with that said, I uh, I also was refer was recognizing the you know the styles and the influences. You know, like all the ones that you know we just said, and even things like you know even going further back than those. You know, like Black Sabbath and Mask of the Red Death, and you know stuff like that. That um, you know were were there and you know definitely prevalent but yeah it, it was definitely it uh it took a minute to sort of figure out what exactly he was doing yeah this one is definitely this one is definitely more inscrutable than his mm-hmm. other films and definitely like i'm saying this is 2012 this is years before i think really elevated horror was a word people were using but this one is so much more artsy yeah yeah it is well, and the the fixation, I guess, in that way, like he's prescient in the in the style, but also the the fixation on witches, which we've seen recently, yes. kind of um, come up in this this artistic style. Um, he kind of did it first. Yeah, he did it well before those things. Yeah. Yeah, this one's funny. Also, um, I was in Salem earlier this summer. And it's very funny to think that you would live in Salem and not just be reminded <laughs> of the stuff that happened there all the time because it's very touristy in that regard. <laughs> and I like that it completely leans away from that. Like in this world, Salem is not really that way. They do reference like the wax museum at some point. Yeah, yeah definitely. It, it was almost showing it as like a piece of history as more of the. Uh... You know, like you said, the the tourist attraction that it really is. It was, um, you know, you had to had to dig in the books to, uh, you know, come up with all this info. And you know, I think realistically, yeah, you probably see it on like a, you know, Seven Eleven post or something. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. I at one point, um, notably, they have an expert on. They have an expert have about an expert. the Salem witch trials onto the radio show, which is like. <laughs> funny that they have this this guy who's local and has written a book about the Salem witch trials which I mean this is the place where it happened and people are obsessed with it so it's like funny that they're like yeah for our audience here in Salem yeah Um, but yeah like it's funny that they like wouldn't know there is like I I have to say just from my personal experience, I was like appalled. It is so disrespectful. There's like, there's like a memorial, quote unquote, to the people who died, right? In the, in the witch trials. And like, all, but all of the memorial, like, stones have the name and then the cause of death of the person. <gasps> oh, which no. is like very funny. I'm like, you should please put my cause of death on my, <laughs> when, I when I do go, please put how I go on it. I hope it's pressed to death, which is which was my favorite one. That was Giles Corey, famously pressed to death. Pressed to death. Wow. Yeah, most of them were hanged. Some of them did die in prison, also, um, as I learned from their memorial. It's fucked <laughs> up, I think, dude. I think that's, that's a little disrespectful. Talk about like gossip, right? You're like, oh man, he was fucking pressed to death. <laughs> that bitch was pressed to death. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. <laughs> I, I did think the uh, you know the whole expert thing in this one. There was a uh, 
a point when he had gone back home to his wife after the show and was asking if she recorded the music and stuff. And there, there was this moment where he's like, there's just, there's just something about that music. And it was a total, like, like, eh, something's fishy here. <laughs> like, I know. Like, to it. And I, for, again, like I said earlier, I, I watched it this morning and, uh, it's, it, it just came across as a, a total like borderline scooby-doo moment <laughs> you know but. there are a couple like what feel almost like zombieisms that make it through that that yes if it were um that i i would have edited out if i could have you know what i mean like, like yeah. that's a moment i mean it's part of the chart right if you like if you if you know zombie and his work but um there are like things that i feel like he couldn't super resist that are that do come across kind of wooden but i do think that's like for some reason like in his style I'm, i don't know why but i think sherry moon does such a she's still very much herself but like she this is such it's so weird to see her to go directly from seeing her as baby to seeing yeah. her as this character it felt very like much more like kind of almost like a like a Kristen stewart type role right like this very withdrawn mm. not Withdrawn is the wrong word, but subdued, like for sure. Yeah. She's very yeah, this subdued. Is, this is also interesting because she is playing the role on the radio that's kind of like her baby personality where she's yeah. giggling and making jokes and being irreverent. But also then you see that that's not who she is mm -hmm. normally. She's normally like very diminished and quiet yeah yeah exactly yeah so she's we're seeing like you're right she's she is kind of playing multiple levels i guess of intensity um i mean there's that scene where although it's this is one of my actually one of my favorite scenes of the movie but the um where the priest says um you're a very sad girl and she says yeah i am yeah. um that's a that scene fucking that is a scene. That is a scene. I like that I scene. I wasn't prepared for that shit. So I, I, like I said, I watched this one first. Yeah. <laughs> I watched this one first. And, and you I hadn't seen not, it. I had not seen it before. That's why I did it. I was like, I probably don't have to pay as much attention to the other ones, which was false also because I didn't remember enough about them. <laughs> but that was, yeah, I, I watched this one first and it was just that was really actually where so okay yeah first of all i guess the the salem witch expert francis matthias which is wow yeah he was bullied I... he was a bullied child <laughs> Poor Francis. it also sounds totally like somebody who's from salem like his interactions with his wife and his kind of like home life that you get to see for some reason is also very classic rob zombie and like it makes you like him it, it mm -hmm. endears you to him. But yeah, so it's, uh, you know, like really you're kind of seeing this, it's building chemistry between some of the people and like, but not a lot has happened yet. Mm -mm. There's been a vision, like kind of a memory of, of Meg Foster, which is also just another horror poll, mm -hmm. I feel. Um, it was incredible in this also. But yeah, then you get the scene in the church, which is like, you're not expecting this shit to happen. Like, I don't know. I wasn't expecting at least that to happen. I thought something spooky might happen in the church. Well, it was the weird, like, uh, 
I, I, I think it was it was the first time that all of a sudden you kind of weren't sure what was going on. Like, you know, you, you, cause we had no idea that this was a dream. There was so, it was so, you know, seamless as far as how it popped up. Um, and then when, you know, once, you know, the actions on the, on the bench happen and then he's there waking her up, you know, yeah, we, we had no idea that, you know, it was to that point. Like we didn't know. Yeah. You know, it's, we, we really thought this was happening. And it happens, it does happen, like, it happens so quick, like, everything just completely, which feels similar, like, I mean, you definitely, like, see this happen in The Devil's Rejects, right? Like, same with that scene where he's um, assaulting that one woman with a gun, right? Like, it has that same tone, because it is, it's sexual, I mean, he is sexually assaulting someone, I guess, but the way that the tone, like, just completely, you go from, like, zero to a hundred before you even know that anything has happened, and, um, it's especially jarring to me because I don't think, and I don't think it needs to be, but I don't think like any of the other stuff really in this movie, as far as the little people at the corner or passing things, those that's never scary. Like, I don't think that's effective as a scare, which whether or not he intended it to be, I don't know. But this is, do you know what I mean? Like, this is the yeah. first time in the film, and maybe the only time, because a lot of what happens in it is very sad, but like, this is like maybe the only time that I felt like genuinely like freaked out, you know? Yeah. I think yeah, the only other time that I kind of had that feeling was once the uh, when she was coughing up the blood in the apartment, mm. and then the uh, the three nurses or whatever, yeah, yeah, whatever they are, was behind Jeff Daniel Phillips, right? And they they put his hand on his shoulder and his eyes went white, like yeah. that. That was definitely you know a little bit of a shock, and that was a total like throwback to like. Like Lucio Fulci, you know, type yes. movies, you know, stuff like that, you know, right. and, you know, so that that was another scene where there was totally like, you know, oh my god, what's going on? Well, um, especially because, like, presumably she was getting ill and he was there, but then he's not. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's yes. never actually resolved. So, like, this whole film, like, we were talking about the, you know, where it's like, oh, this is a nightmare. It's like, this whole film is a nightmare. Like you yeah. don't wake up from it. You're not really sure what reality is, but it's yes. so you're right that like, honestly, even the whole time, cause you're like, nothing has really happened yet. Nothing happens in this movie. Like, honestly, it's so internal. Everything is so small and granular, but yeah. it's also like the end of the fucking world. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. both of these things are true at once. I think about this, man, I think about this all the time, Ariel, because um. <laughs> Because when we talked about Donnie Darko, we were talking about oh, yeah. how Frank appears to him and says, "Until it's this amount of time until the end of the world. Mm-hmm. And it's not the end of the world. Not yeah. the world, but Donnie's world, his whole perception. And so, and that is so, that is so true of, I mean, that, that is so indicative of, of like horror movies, but also of a nightmare where it's, it's your perspective. Mm-hmm. It's all you. And whatever this is, it, like it is all about your perception. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and I mean, this is all, and this is all from her. And and so when you know, it's like, oh, nothing has happened. But honestly, I feel like within the scene in the church, a lot you gain a lot of perspective on her. I think. Um, whereas, mm-hmm. like, yeah, there's this kind of sexual assault that happens, and I, I think at least for me, it kind of like jarred me to think about 
her, um, which like things that you know is that she um, is a radio DJ. She seems to be fairly close with her co-host, but one in particular who she hangs around a lot. You don't really know much about their deal. You know, at some point he's at her apartment and she says, you could stay on the couch if you want. And he says, the couch? And she's like, yeah, the couch. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, but it also is clear that like she does have affection for him. And later on, like she agrees that she loves him when like someone asks her. And and yet like she's she doesn't have like any intimacy with him. So she doesn't do this, she doesn't do physical things with anyone. Right. Um, you kind of see her um I mean you see her go to meetings where people are talking about addiction. And that's all you really know about her, but it is something that like she's very closed off. And so for mm -hmm. someone to like invade her space feels very bad. Feels like extremely violating. That's true, yeah, because we don't know much. And she doesn't, yeah, she's not forthcoming, really, with anything. And I, I like I like the mystery. I like that we kind of, whenever this movie kind of keeps you, like, at arm's length, I think it's doing its best work, honestly, because it's so intriguing and you're like, okay, I want to know more. And, like, it feels really fucked up when it's like that. You know, like, when it's doing that sort of arm's length thing, it's... Um, even even the scenes where they uh like towards the end when they're going and it's like weirdly a theater and stuff like it's so cold and weird i love that like i think that's so good i don't know this is like because this is my second time watching it and i was really surprised by how much i liked it when i saw it uh like you know a couple years back and i was like am i gonna like it as much this time was that like just a thing and i'm like no i really like <laughs> this movie and this movie was like is not well liked, I think, generally in the public, which I don't really understand. Like it didn't critically do that well, but it's great. I like it. I was looking at the letterboxd reviews for it, and one of the top ones is like, if they slapped an A24 logo on this, you nerds would love it. <laughs> That's probably true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this is probably out of any of his, you know, whether it's the other movies or, you know, even music or whatever, this is totally, the people went into it expecting one thing, they got something totally different, but in a weird way, they they still wouldn't let themselves like it. Like, I don't, <laughs> you know, I don't understand it. They're like, oh, well, yeah, I, you know, we didn't do what zombie thinks or what we always think zombie does, but still fuck this movie. <laughs> like, I, I feel like that's the sort of the overall thing for it for whatever reason like i i remembered it because it, it it was just recently when this movie came out the uh the anniversary of the the release date and i saw on my facebook memories and i i had kind of forgot about this at the time but i had a show that night it was one of our our relay for life shows so i was playing with my band and I didn't want to wait to see the movie. So I saw the movie that day, like in the middle of the day at like two <laughs> o'clock in the afternoon or something like that. Cause I, I feel like if I didn't watch it then, like I had to wait like three or four days or something like that. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so I watched it and not only is it weird, you know, watching a movie like that in the middle of the day sometimes, <laughs> yeah. but like, <laughs> like I was kind of like thinking about it. Like, well, that was weird. Yeah. <laughs> 
you know, it, uh, you know, I almost had to like, I remember having this feeling of like, I had to like shake it off a little bit, like get ready for the show, you know? So <laughs> yeah, that's one of those, like you leave and it's still daylight. <laughs> Bizarre. Oh, God. Yeah. Truly bizarre. Yeah. For this one, it would be really weird. This is a weird one. This is kind of the opposite where, like, I feel like the other two we talked about were very, like, in a way superficial, but you could get a lot from, like, there, what's, what's there on the surface. And this one, I feel, is not at all that way. Like, you have to do digging and you have to kind of, like, extract things. It's not it as, is, like, in your face. Yeah, it's not, it's not as in your face, but there's still those you know, there's still those zombie things, you know, there's the, uh, you know, the witch, uh, or not the witch, but the the woman when she's talking to the expert at one point when she gets all, you know, are you trying to, you know, fuck her brain and, you know, oh, yeah. there, there's <laughs> yeah. just all this weird, you know, because that, that's definitely one of his downfalls is his dialogue, because, I mean, you can, it almost comes across as a you know, 50-year-old man writing for a teenager, <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's the way it comes across sometimes, uh -huh. but there's those things, you know, I mean, there was that, and there was, there's still, even though they're not as obvious, I can't remember his name in the movie now, but the, uh, um, the other, the other radio co-host, I mean, you know, he's still the guy from the Dawn of the Dead, and, you know, he's still bringing in those outside things, Sid Haig and Michael. The Devil's Rejects. Yeah. Um, and Sid Haig and Michael Berryman are two of the people that are taking the witch to the, the burning. Um, and like you, you can kind of make out Sid Haig's face when, when you see him, but there's still, you know, there's still these, these things that he was kind of inputting and, you know, giving them these opportunities and even the music in this one guitar player at the time he's not a guitar player anymore unfortunately but john five did a lot of that music for the movie and john five is actually one of the nurses in the room whenever they kind of <laughs> come up behind behind him and put his hand on his shoulder mm -hmm. and then the uh the weird dreamlike thing with the uh the heavy metal guy with his face painted oh yeah um, that's yeah. actually that's uh piggy d that's his bass player um, oh my god you know and yeah you know so there's still those things still those uh yeah he'd be putting the people he likes in the movie yeah mm -hmm. um and yeah. then you know even somebody like d wallace you know being in the oh, yeah. movie and, you know i mean she's been in a few things now she's in halloween and she's in 31 or not oh, 31, yeah. like three from hell um you know but that was another person that he kind of you know handpicked that well, yeah. Barbara Crampton is in it. Yeah. Like, we got some, like, horror ladies in this one, for sure. Yeah, yeah damn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's cool, you know, Dee Wallace, uh, you know, she was at the Bakersfield Comic-Cons that we did a while back. I mean, she did a talk, because she, she did, like, a, a panel thing, but then she was also, like, right across from my table, so every once in a while I was talking to her, and, yeah, she, she had great things to say about zombie and she's you know she's had a million directors you know over her mm -hmm. career and um she's like yeah you know if, if he calls me for a role she's like i'm taking it you know it, it <laughs> doesn't even matter what it is um and even you know sid Haig, i mean he said similar things as far as you know he's he's the uh the type of director that actors want to work with 
And, you know, I feel like those type of actors, you know, especially sort of this late in their, their career, like if, if they don't need to be in a movie, they're not going to be in a movie. So the fact yeah. that they're mm-hmm. doing this with him, you know, kind mm-hmm. of shows the level that he's at. Um, yeah, I, I noticed also just like, I mean, like some kind of clever, like visual things um, that like, I mean, yeah, I definitely like Meg Foster just appearing in places or, or whatever, like naked witch lady appearing in places like isn't like necessarily like it, it plays jump scare music, which I'm like, you don't need to do that. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. like you could just go by. It's fine. Um, yeah but like visually it's really cool um like there's like a lot of really cool visual stuff there's also like the scene right so she the scene in the church she then is outside the church sitting on the steps and in the distance there's a person walking up that you can at, at the first couple seconds of seeing it you think that it's just a person walking a dog um or at least that's what it looked like to me and then it like as the figure comes closer it's like obviously someone with like an obscured face and walking a goat on the list. <laughs> which yeah. I thought was so fun and clever. There's also in the devil's rejects, there's a, a cut that I laughed out loud at. That's like um, captain Spaulding when he first appears, which also, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything actually to talk about captain Spaulding's first like introduction in the devil's rejects is a nightmare. He's having a nightmare yeah. about fucking a woman who then is going to shoot him in the head. Um, yeah, that's actually uh, Ginger Lynn Allen, porn star from the eighties. Oh my gosh, that is so okay. That's awesome, amazing. Yeah, so like, there's that, and then like he drags himself out of bed and goes into the bathroom, and the next shot is like coffee pouring. Yeah, yeah, no, that was great. That was very yeah. funny. Yeah, yeah. So like, he does like some kind of clever, uh, some clever like editing. Um, which definitely shows up in Lords of Salem, but I think like generally to more scary <laughs> effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's not really uh humor in this one. This one's a pretty humorless um movie. Yeah, this one which is, is also unusual for him. comedy. Yeah, <laughs> like... yes. I also like the 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 nature of like nothing happening in it. In my notes, I put is this mumble gore. <laughs> I kind of. <laughs> is it? I mean, uh, I think it was, you know, it's his first time sort of there is some actual character development with Sherry and you know, we're sort of watching this uh, you know, this downward spiral that he had never really dealt with before. Yeah, you know, before it was always you know, right there in your face and, you know, mm. they kill people and they fucked up and they make jokes and, you know, that's what it is. But, you know, even though we don't find anything out about her, like we don't even totally know the story with her addiction and, you know, all mm. that kind of stuff, but we're still seeing the downward spiral that she's in. So, And I yeah, prefer to one... not know the full, honestly, I prefer to, to be able to draw those conclusions myself. Yeah, I like when absolutely. they're not like shoved in my face like i i think it's it's smarter filmmaking i think when you can kind of trust and it doesn't always land right like there's definitely like um one thing that that felt a little bit like dissonant to me was um 
the pull of the of the witches like kind of what they're presenting to her it's weird that they're even trying to present anything to her because the the what i my takeaway is that it's like inevitability like she will unravel and and ultimately like is doomed you know what i mean but yeah um when they're talking to her and talking about like oh the evil inside you and like the juices between your legs and i'm like she's none of this actually rings true for her at all yeah, like she i don't have juices calm down she's not a juicy lady you know like she's <laughs> <laughs> um like she doesn't have that like there's no weird um like she doesn't really seem to have like latent unresolved sexual impulses like she's not um you know and there's like there's stuff in her that like she's clearly like kind of running away from some demons but like I don't know so th- that was a disconnect where i was like i kind of wish like that was almost more of a one-to-one like if we were going to do anything more with the addiction like i would have maybe liked that to yeah. be the pull for her like the pull would be um going back to that and maybe like it's hard because she, that does, could, she does she does start using again at some point she does it's just that i wish i i guess i wish i could have seen that more as an emotional through line but it's a hard line to walk because if you go too hard on that then it will seem annoying and didactic. Then so it's, it's tough... then it's fucking requiem for a dream or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. and that's not what a, you want either. I feel like, in a way, that was a little bit of you know, kind of what I was saying. There was a little bit of some of those those forced zombieisms a little bit. I think mm-hmm. them kind of getting in that sort of weird. I mean, dirty talk's not the right word, but, you know, those weird sort of forced innuendos and forced things, Yeah, um, you know, was what that was a little bit, so. Yeah, this one is, it's interesting because I feel like tonally, this one is like a lot different. I mean, we talked about the, we talked about the Firefly movies being joyful, um, which I think actually the Halloween movies are pretty sad. I think those are pretty like downcast. Yeah. But um and and I feel actually probably tonally I think Lords of Salem is more similar to the Halloween movies mm-hmm. than than the um than the trio movies, the Firefly family yeah. movies. Um but this one, yeah, this one is sad. Um definitely like there's not joy in this. At one point as she's walking into the room and the guy, the her co-host, um, is talking, she's late, they're they're starting the show, they're talking. Um, he's saying he's talking about his grandma, but he says she's a product of the depression, no new no new deal for her. Um, which is just also while she's walking into the room. Mm-hmm. And it feels like about her yeah. also. Yeah, there's never a sense that like this is gonna go well at all um it's funny because there's not we talked about like rooting for the firefly family and in this i don't think you're rooting for anyone like you just kind of understand and i think part of it is because uh heidi feels complicit like there's complicity that she and i think i mean i think this is the sherry moon's credit like i think she acts it in a way that's so passive when she starts to unravel that like there's nothing to fight for because she's not fighting for it yeah and that's what's sad. That's what makes it really yes. fucking sad and not scary, which I don't mind. I love a downer, you know? Give me a downer yeah. movie anytime. But um, <laughs> I think when people see Lords of Salem and they see the cover and they see that it's Rob Zombie, 
um, maybe part of the reaction is, well, wait a second. Like, I want this to be, first of all, it's not what I expect. And then it's not even scary. Like, that's fucking bullshit, you know? And it's like, well, it doesn't have to be. Like, it doesn't have yeah. to be scary all the time. Just I can see this witches. one being alienating to both people who already <laughs> didn't like him and then also people who okay. did like him. So I I think, so I have a, um, I bought like years ago, years ago at a garage sale, I brought, I bought like a little binder full of DVDs and it was all horror and they all had like in, written in Sharpie on the DVDs, Dave. So Dave had to Sharpie his DVDs. He was very possessive of them, but I got them in the end, Dave. But anyways, he has a lot of zombie <laughs> films. Um, he noticeably does not have Wards of Salem. And I was like, are huh. you a hater of Wards of Salem, huh. Dave? Yeah. Wow, Dave, answer answer us. Phone yeah. in. Dave, if you're listening. <laughs> if you're listening, Dave. <laughs> I have your DVDs and I'm not giving them back. <laughs> I just scratch I your name like out. In in a way, I mean it you know, it gets back to like, you know, what I was saying where there was this, you know, preconceived zombie idea and he absolutely did not do that with this. And yeah, I'm I'm sure there's plenty of people that you know, even if they watched it and were disappointed by it, or whether they didn't watch it at all, there is that. I, I feel like it's one of those movies that, like, people talk about. They're like, oh, yeah, that movie sucks. And then you say, well, did, have you seen it? Oh, well, no. I feel like <laughs> I feel like that's, you know, that, that is one of my of biggest pet peeves when people do that shit. They're like, well, that yeah. was what I thought it would be. Yeah. You didn't fucking watch it. Like, shut your mouth. Like, exactly. You never know. Yeah, because, I mean, there, there, was, there was so much with this that, I mean, even, I mean, you know, obviously he was, you know, doing the uh, the camera work was completely different from the, you know, the other movies and stuff. Mm-hmm. But even just the, like, the, the locations and the, you know, the sets and, you know, things like that, you know, there was, you know, because, like, in Corpses and... Not quite as much in Rejects, but, you know, in, like, Three from Hell, and even in, you know, uh, like, especially in Halloween number two, like, her bedroom and stuff, you know, there's there's those things that he kind of puts his zombie thumbprints on, you know, does, you know, graffiti here and there, and, you know, pictures of Charles Manson, and, you know, all that kind of stuff, and this one is, you know, got none of that. I mean, even, you know, because House Without the Corpses you know, especially in in uh, Spalding's gas station. I mean, it's almost like like assault on the senses a little bit because there's so much in it. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that stuff actually is when you know, since it was his first movie, and he wanted certain things. A lot of that stuff is actually from his house. There's things in those scenes from his house in that movie, but in in Salem. It, uh, you know, there's just, you know, like when she's in the park, you know, it's totally just, you know, her and leaves on the ground and trees and, you know, that's it. And then, you know, her, mm-hmm. her, her apartment is definitely a little weird with, you know, the, the large art pieces on the, the wall. The large art pieces that like don't come into view until later in the movie, which makes yeah. it kind of more surreal and nightmarish. Yeah. And, and, they're, then, and they're kind of impersonal. I mean, like the the background, the moon background she has. It's that like iconic image of the moon with like the the eye monocle or whatever the hell. <laughs> but like 
that like feels very impersonal, right? Like that's first of all, like an image we all know. That's not yeah. like a new piece. Like everyone has seen that image. And then it's the fucking moon. Like she's like away from you know what I mean? She's like yeah. away from humanity. Um so yeah. In a way, that's another one of his his tie-ins. Cause I mean there is a moment when she's in his apartment and they're watching a movie. I can't remember what it is now. I feel like it's uh it's a pirate movie of some sort. But anyway, but there is a black and white movie on the screen. But like that moon picture, that I mean, that's actually one of the very first uh recorded movies that was, mm. you know, ever made. That's that that thing in his eye is actually a, a rocket ship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and but but in a way, I think that is sort of another tie-in where he's, you know, almost using it as a character in his movie now this time, um, you know, with the image, you know, but it's still the tie-in to the, you know, the black and white films and, the, you know, the old school feel. Yeah, he kind of restrained himself on it. Like the zombieisms, yeah. um, he was, he was he was really uh keeping him close at this point yeah. like it, it seems like there was something that he was like no 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 no. i'm not gonna i'm gonna do something different and that's um i mean if nothing more than like an exercise for an artist like i think it's successful and like interesting that he would make that choice also though i do like the movie and i think it's good but it's just like weird that people would just dismiss it out of hand um i think it's doing a lot and i just think you're missing a lot if you just see this movie and kind of throw it away or if you just have an opinion about it and haven't fucking seen it fuck you yeah. <laughs> literally yeah this one is i mean the end of it like the the like all tomorrow's parties um which also man the music we got the velvet underground happening yeah really hard yeah which is also like more experimental and avant-garde so i see what he's doing (laughs) yeah like like that scene it made me think about hereditary i Um, thought about that too dude kind of like hereditary yeah like the horrible triumph of the end well and the way she looks looks like the corpse at the end it's it i thought i wonder excuse me I saw this and did I was like, this? was this an influence on Ari Aster when he did Hereditary? Because it was very striking. Yes. Yeah. And then, yeah, thematically, that sense of inevitability of being dragged down. I mean, obviously, like, Hereditary, it's more about, like, family. But um, but this feels similar. I mean, because it's, like, it's clearly, like, they're doing stuff with her. And it's, like, her past, right? It is, like, her family, right? Generationally, she comes from Salem, and she's from yeah. this line that was cursed. So, absolutely. Yes. I mean, this this film is um, the original Hereditary, one yes. might say. <laughs> yeah, Ari, did you rip this movie off? Uh, call us, phone in. <laughs> Ari, come on the show. <laughs> Clear your name. <laughs> Clear, defend your name. Defend your honor. Yeah, this one was really good. I I always I always have fun. Um I always have fun with Rob Zombie movies. Um we are not talking about the Halloween movies in this one, like I said, but I, I actually really enjoy them. I really I really like them. Um I feel like they're doing a lot of what the sequels to Halloween 
are not quite able to accomplish where it's kind of wrestling with with trauma and yeah. the reverberating effects of what happens in the first movie especially halloween 2 and also i just feel like it has a more fun take on michael myers so i think if you if you i don't know if you're curious about rob zombie if you have preconceived notions i think you should watch his shit and see what you think I mean, to me, it gets back to, you know, what I said in the beginning. It, it, and it doesn't just apply to House of Thousand Corpses. I think it's really all his movies. It is a horror fan making a movie for horror fans. You know, that's that's yeah. really what I think he's setting out to do. He's not reinventing the wheel. He's not, you know, doing this whole, you know, you know elevated horror thing and, you know, blah, blah, blah. He's just... You know, if he wants this person to die, sure, he's going to kill him. You know, if he wants to show this girl's boobs, he's going to show him. It's, you know, it's just, <laughs> there's nothing to it. It's well, and I think he's making it, it's a horror movie for Rob Zombie, which I think yeah. is rad because yes. I think when yeah. you're an artist, like, um, if you aren't really first and foremost kind of like going from that perspective, right? Like, I don't know, it's just not going to be as effective. And it's refreshing to see especially from from a film because film is so collaborative and film has like a lot of influences for better or for worse so to see things like this where it's like clearly very like um coming from that like okay well i'm making the shit that i want to make like that's that's fun to, to watch yeah that's yeah. great they say make art for yourself and there's a reason why because the art that you want surely somebody else wants it there's too. some other there's it's, some other freaks in the world you know yeah F find yeah, your people freaks. people want to know <laughs> the shit that you want to see in the world so this is also like a call to creativity make stuff if you Hell think yeah. that there's shit in the world that you want to see you should make it get some haters like rob zombie has build your <laughs> hater base straight up all right, I think it's getting late, and that is all the time that we have for today. Thank you so much, Pat, for being on again. Yeah. Yeah. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Hell yeah. Um, if you if you want more of Pat, he also did our, I think, our Halloween episode last year, and that one we talked about Haxon and a couple others. I can't remember what other movies we talked about last time. I'm trying to think. Oh, we talked about um did I make us watch um fuck the Val Luton one? Um Oh was that the Curse of the Cat People? Yes, I made us watch that, I think. Hell yeah. I can't remember which one I picked, so I'm the weak link. But <laughs> yeah, we talked about Haxon and the Curse of the Cat People at least, so I cannot remember either. Those should be yeah. good enough. Um, yeah, you should check that one out. Um, and otherwise, yeah, we're back, baby. We're going to be... Here we are! Yeah, we're doing it. Yeah, and we're coming up onto the most spookiest of seasons, so we'll be around talking about shit. And yeah, uh, yeah. Um, thanks as always to Claire C. Holland um, for namesake Not Your Final Girl from her book of horror-themed poems called I Am Not Your Final Girl. You should buy the in wherever there are books and thanks to brian demarest um who is at evil flynn on instagram he did our show artwork um and you can commission him for other artwork if you want it 
Thanks to Pat for technical and emotional support. And thanks to Ariel for our song. It's called Under Your Skin. And you're about to hear it again. Buy it on Bandcamp um, or check it out in the places where there are songs. It's called also Under Your Skin. And that's it, fools. That's it. We'll be back. See you next time. Bye, everyone. Sleep well. Have a great night. (laughs) Sleep well since you're about to go to sleep for sure. Have sweet dreams. (laughs) Sleep now. (laughs) Okay. You know.